This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Illini Choir Podcast post game for the Illinois 26 9 win over Nebraska. Joey Wagner, Jeremy Warner live at Memorial Stadium West in Lincoln, Nebraska, where Illinois defeats Nebraska 26 9. A real workmanlike victory. Great star performances from the Brown brothers Chase Brown, 149 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Sidney Brown, two interceptions, tackle for loss. Juan Martin, an interception and a forced fumble as well. Tommy DeVito, incredibly efficient. Joey, overall, Illinois had some diversity early on, some mistakes offensively towards the red zone. Defensively, Nebraska did some nice things early on, but Casey Thompson gets hurt, Sidney Brown gets that pick, and the game just flipped. Illinois scores 20 straight points uh, to win that game. And big picture-wise, take control of the Big Ten West with a game lead over Purdue. But specifically today, Joey, what's the big takeaway for you? Yeah, I think it's just a normal, right? Like we were talking about it, and we were like, what, what are we writing? Like it's kind of not boring, but it was kind of like, well, this is what we've seen for seven games at Indiana, probably notwithstanding for the most part. Just a business-like approach. It's just very matter-of-fact. Like you know what you're getting out of Illinois. I think that's what I keep coming back to is like you know – like, the, it's a surprise. Like, touchdowns are a surprise at this point. Like, so you just – you know that there's that consistency week in and week out. And, like, yeah, Nebraska's not having a very good season. They're probably not very good. But they came into Nebraska yeah. and won, and it was a packed house. And we're all just kind of like, yeah, well, yeah. And, like, that's yeah. the thing. Like, well, yeah. Like, that's kind of where I land. Yeah, it's like this isn't shocking anymore. Six straight wins for Illinois. They're 7-1, and 4-1 and one atop the Big Ten. And while at points, like in the first quarter and second quarter, I get it, some, some fans were really freaking out out there. But this team never freaked out. This, this team never panicked. They were really poised and found a way to win this game. They never lacked confidence that, oh, no, something wrong is going to happen here. I think Illinois fans and maybe even us sometimes are, are trying to get over that. But I, I'm not at that point anymore. Like, they were down 9-6. I didn't have a lot of worries as long as they didn't turn the ball over. The game would have been probably different if Casey Thompson stayed healthy, but Illinois was turning him over. And Illinois' defensive line, which struggled for the first 20 minutes or so, really um, bounced back in a big way, started to dominate the line of scrimmage. And then once Chuba Purdy came in, I guess Logan Smothers came in for a pass play or one series. That was kind of weird by Nebraska. But once those guys came in, Nebraska had no chance. And, and over the last eight possessions, we just looked this up, the last 40 minutes, Nebraska had 33 yards. So I thought Nebraska, Mickey Joseph, and the staff came out, took advantage of the man coverage that Illinois ran. Uh, we'll get to Devin Witherspoon and, and Trey Palmer's day here in a second. But Ryan Walters clearly made adjustments. I heard Mickey Joseph on the radio say they went more to the bare front, five-man front, and Nebraska's offensive line really couldn't handle that. Yeah, they couldn't. And it's exactly what we've seen, right? Like, the front and the back end of this defense complement each other in such a way. Like, even when the defensive line early on kind of struggled a little bit with some big plays by Nebraska, they were still getting in the face of, at the time, Casey Thompson. And ultimately, that's what led to an interception. But it's, it's just complimentary defense, right? And Devin Witherspoon, dude, goodness gracious. That kid's really good. He's really, really good. Like, one reception for one yard. Well, and, he, and, and Bielema mentioned this in the postgame press conference. Like, you know, Quan was on him a little bit today, Trey Palmer. One catch, one yard. That's 110 yards under his average. He averaged 111 yards a game. He just had 297 total yards and a loss to Purdue. Illinois held him a one for one. Devin Witherspoon was a big part of that, but – if you know Quan, and we've gotten to know him a little bit, 
When he's on that field, man, he is as competitive as they want. Bielma said in the postgame, Spoon hates when they go ones versus twos because he wants to go up against someone who's best. He wants to go against Pant Bryan, Isaiah Williams, all those guys. Like, he wanted this challenge, and he thrived in the challenge. That's who he is. Like, you keep – we're watching, and, and look, he's going to talk a lot of trash, right? Like, that's just who Devin Witherspoon is. And I, I get it. Maybe you're nervous he's going to get a flag. We haven't really seen a lot of those. Like, I don't know if he knows how far he can push it. Like, there's, that's just kind of what embodies him. And then he rises to those moments. And this was far and away the best receiver they've seen this year. Now you think in two weeks they're going to see Charlie Jones, and you're like, well, this is a pretty good – put it on. they always talk about put it on tape. Like, put it on tape, put it on tape, put it on tape. It's a pretty good tape to have against a true number one wideout in the Big Ten. And it was. There was some help, right? You, like you said, Quan Martin was, was out there on, at times. But, man. And Austin mentioned already in our comments, and you can add comments – Quan Martin made a lot of money today. I agree. Like, oh, yeah. he, he, he was great today, and I think he's starting to get that attention of the NFL draft prospects. We'll talk about Sydney here in a little bit. I probably don't even mention Sydney enough uh, as a potential NFL draft pick. So, secondary balled out, and Devin a huge part of that. Yeah, they really did. That's secondary. I don't like, I feel like at times, like those weeks where we overlook it because the defensive line yeah. and the defensive front does this, these silly things and they're really, really good. But to games like today, you're reminded, like, that is. I remember talking after the Indiana game, like, oh, it was two positions. Now you don't talk about that stuff. Like, there's been that year in growth, which I think is also telling of this staff and the confidence of these guys to go in there and, and to make those improvements. But Kendall Smith isn't a weakness back there. Yeah. Taz Nicholson isn't a weakness back there. And you put those two around your three stars, and that's a really good secondary. And it allows you to do a lot of things, and it allows Ryan Walters to get really creative. I think at one point Chase Brown had eight carries for 29 yards, and you're thinking, oh, Nebraska's bottling him up a little bit. Can't hold this guy down, man. Uh, 32 carries today, 149 yards, one touchdown. Josh McCray only got one carry, so we got crushed in our overs and unders with that. Um, Brett Bielma said he's cleared to play, he's healthy, but Brett didn't seem to think Josh McCray was confident enough in himself and maybe didn't look right well, when he did get a carry today. He went for four yards. I thought he looked fine. But uh, obviously Brett didn't think that enough. Reggie Love was basically the number two running back. But is there anything else we can say about Chase Brown? I mean, he didn't bust one longer than 21 yards today, but he just finds a way to get five yards, six yards, nine yards, right? Like, And those just – keep racking up like this guy barely ever gets tackled for loss he got tackled for loss once today uh which was a great play by nebraska it's just it's so consistent production and then he adds the receiving touchdown as well in the red zone which is a great play by, by barry one you know he had red zone issues early in the game but they found a way to, to to get seven on that huge drive at the end of the half yeah it's a really little thing and we talked about it during the game chase brown just falls forward like, he, he knows how to get those one, two, three extra yards by just falling forward, and that's a skill, right? I mean, it, it maybe doesn't sound like it, but it is. And I think his development, continued, I guess, development or production in the passing game is really – like, those wheel routes, at some point you would think somebody is going to cover those. <laughs> but they've not. Like, Chase Brown is continuously open on that. It's kind of astounding. I don't know – go back and watch if it's the design or if it's just busted like what a combination of both the one time he was not open was on the disastrous Isaiah Williams oh, uh, I guess it was going to be an Isaiah Williams pass he was the only option and he got blown up like Nebraska saw that coming so they didn't know that one but yeah that wheel route has been open time and time again it has yeah that, that double pass that was what we thought was the intent that was not not good but I will say like there's been times where we've wondered kind of what Barry Lonnie is thinking but it doesn't really – I don't know if this makes sense. It doesn't really get in a rut. Yeah. Like, one, the screen, I, I don't think you and I really cared for that. Call on second down. It ended up with the punt. Uh, the, the double pass, you're like, okay, what? But it doesn't – there's not a lot of carryover with that. It's like, okay, well, that that didn't work. And, and you just kind of turn the page. And I think that's probably telling of, of him and their belief in him and their execution of it. I, just, I, I find that to be really interesting. So Chase Brown has 1,208 yards through eight games. Do you have your record book? <laughs> like where that ranks season? Like that's already a top ten rushing season for sure. But he's got 151 rushing yards per game. I just did quick math. If Illinois plays 14 games, which would be a bowl game and the Big Ten championship game, he would be on pace for 2,100 yards. And if he gets to 2,100 yards or over 2,000 yards rushing, which seems very doable right now, he's probably not going to win the Heisman. But he's going to get some votes, and he might have a chance to get to New York. So even though today might have been not the full-blown Heisman, he had two touchdowns, 
149 rushing yards, 13 receiving yards, along with that touchdown. So he just continues to do it week in and week out. Nine straight games of 100 yards, all eight this season. Yeah, so that 1,208 is eighth all time for a single season. Uh, he, wow, where did I go? I lost it. Not very good at this, huh? He just passed Keith Jones from 1988. Next up, Robert Holcomb, J.C. Caroline. I mean, if he gets into that 1,300 mix. He's one game away from having the third single season rushing yards through nine games. It's ridiculous. Like it is, it is one of the best seasons we've ever seen from an individual player at Illinois. Like I saw one of those with Whitney Merciless. Now, like I have a discussion of which season was better, Whitney Merciless's 11 or Chase Brown's uh, 20, uh, 2022. Um, it's it's a special year. There's nothing else to say about it. Right it now. is, and I think you nailed it today, dude. The guy had how many rushing yards did he have today? One forty-nine. Yeah. Oh, hum. Yeah, that's exactly like it wasn't really that Heisman performance, but 149 yards up on the road. Like, and again, I understand where Nebraska is, but we're just kind of like that's just kind of the bar for him right now. And that's what's. Well, to put this in perspective, nine straight games of 100 rushing yards, the record before that was four. (laughs) It was four. It's hard to do that, but with this offensive line, kudos to them. With Barry Lonnie's offense, Tommy DeVito being a great compliment. We'll get to Tommy here in a second. It's just 100 and, you know, we set the over-under 129 yards rushing, and we just, oh, yeah, he'll go over that, and he did. And now I'm wondering, <laughs> what are we going to set it for for Michigan State? Like, that's the thing. Like He keeps raising the bar. It, it's really, it, it's pretty remarkable, and you're starting to see it more. You're, like, you're, you're seeing more attention go to him, and his team's going to be in the top 15, we think. So you're going to have a 1,200-yard rusher through eight games in the top 15 team. Like, that's, well, he, he's really – we, we came in, and I thought we thought Isaiah Williams, right? Like, we're like, oh, the season. This Maybe we missed the mark a little bit. And, and not that and we Isaiah thought. had nine catches for 93 yards. Yeah. Bad fumble, but he had a touchdown, the big touchdown early on. Great game from him. Uh, he was a difference maker. Punt return was a good punt return. Uh, but, yeah, Chase Brown. Kudos to Pat Forty. He wrote a fantastic story on the Brown brothers. Well timed. Because Sydney was fantastic today. Like, And I asked uh, Ryan Walters a question about Sydney, like what makes him so valuable. Because he kind of gets overlooked. Coming into this game against Spoon, of Quan Martin, even Kendall Smith with four interceptions. Uh, and he was saying, you know, one of them isn't as important as the other, but Sidney's the vocal guy. And I asked Seth Coleman today, like, what's Sidney mean to your defense? And he basically said, um, you know, he's the meanest guy out there. Like, you and I have heard it from Ryan Walters. Like, if, if you want somebody in the back alley with you, it's Sidney Brown. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic today, all over the field, uh, shut down the run game, made some great tackles in space. And then the two interceptions, like the Chuba Purdy one was like one of the most horrific decisions I've ever seen from a quarterback, and I've seen some bad decisions by quarterbacks. But he was there to make the play, uh, and his first interception was really good. Can we talk about – so you and I stayed for a second and talked to Sydney yeah. after, and I said, what, what were your first impressions of Ryan? Like he gets – Ryan Walters, he gets hired from Mizzou – you know, I, I don't know how many people in Champaign knew a lot about him, let alone Sydney, who said, I came from Canada, I didn't know anything. And he goes, the picture, if you guys remember, the picture that they had when Ryan signed was him yelling. It was a sideline picture of him yelling, and Sydney looked at it and goes, oh, oh, God, like, what, what am I getting into here? And he said, it's funny, Ryan said to him, like, he was going through, and he said, the first impression, he saw a picture of Sydney, and he goes, this guy a yoga instructor? Like, what's going on here? But, but the point being, like, Kind of a weird come together for those two, but that's such a perfect match. Yeah. Like the the trust and Ryan's done a lot, and, and Sydney's talked about this. We've heard this. Ryan's done a lot of pumping confidence in yeah. to Sydney Brown, and that that comes in pre snap. You see that, but like, I, I think the confidence level. If, if we talk to Sydney, maybe it'd be like an after the season, yeah. from the day Ryan Walters and Brett Bielma walked in to where he is now. I, I think it's night and day. We've talked a little bit about this with Sydney in the past too. <clears throat> what got him in trouble? With Lovey is is the defense was very intricate with Lovey and you know everybody had to be in there. There was a lot of mistakes, but Sydney was thinking too much. And Lovey Smith's defense and in this defense, he's just allowed like he's got to think a lot before the snap and he messes with players, but uh, messes with quarterbacks with all his movement. But he's just kind of free to go make plays and trust his instincts. And he said that's a big part of why he's had a lot of success the last two years. He touched on that today. He said it was so robotic. It was one, two, three, this is what I do. One, two, three, this is what I do. And I've never heard him say that yeah. before, I don't think. And, again, it kind of lines up with what we saw in 18, 19, 20. But, man, maybe more 18, 20, 19 was a pretty good year. Um, I, I thought that was interesting to hear him come out and say that. Yeah.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I want to mention a couple more individuals uh, that stood out in this game. Tommy DeVito, 20 of 22 passing. For 179 yards, two touchdowns. I think I can share this. He was told after the game by Brett Moore, the SID, um, hey, you set the record. And he goes, ah, it should have been higher. He set the record for completion percentage in a game, 90.9%. And he thought it should be higher. Uh, that's the type of quarterback you have right now. But no interceptions. Is it since Indiana? No. Virginia? Virginia? Okay. It's, it's, he hasn't thrown an interception um, since Indiana in conference play for sure. So he has taken care of the ball so well. I uh, had 39 rushing yards today, or something like that today. 37 rushing yards today uh, as well, and that includes a couple sacks that, that he took losses on. And he turned one sack into an actual no gain for a rush because he got sacked at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's just so good, man. He's going to break the single-season record for, for completion rates at 72%, which is about 6% higher than Shieldhouse in 2013. Uh, and, man, he's just he's so efficient. He's so efficient, makes great decisions. He's playing like a 24-year-old great quarterback, but like outside of C.J. Stroud, I mean, Aiden O'Connell probably will get all Big Ten, but Tommy DeVito is now in that conversation of all Big Ten quarterbacks. It's funny, uh, the completion, he threw a set, I think he threw it out of bounds yeah. late in the game, and you go, that was a second completion, or incompletion. <laughs> what? In the fourth quarter. Yeah, like, <laughs> what would you say? And it, But again, it's not. I don't know. It's, just, it's kind of all within the flow, right? Like, it just feels like that. But, dude, he's he's been everything Illinois could have hoped for yeah. and a lot more because, well, you're 7-1. and one. I mean, that's, that's one way to start. You've got some awesome tape to put in transfer portal Zoom meetings. Oh. You've got real – and I, I know I, I don't want to look too far ahead, and Brett Bielma actually touched on that today. He goes, the better you are, everyone wants to look at the end. It's like, well, that's what we do. But, man, like, outside of just what he's given you this year – his play, his meshing with Barry, Lunny, that's going to play in December and January as you're trying to figure out who's going to be the quarterback of this team next year. Shout out Caleb Griffin. Uh, big bounce back for him. Fabrizio Pinton misses the extra point to start the game. But Caleb was kickoffs. I don't know. They have one kickoff return, and I think they took it out of the, the end zone and got to the 19-yard line. So he was great uh, on kickoffs today. He has six kickoffs, four touchbacks today. Uh, and then he makes both his field goals, 36 and 41 yards, uh, and makes all his extra points. So looks like Caleb Griffin won his job back. I, we didn't – we asked Biel, I don't think we asked Bielma about the kicking thing, so we'll ask that Monday. But, you know, you talked to him, Joey. You was, you was your job. You're out for two weeks. The other guy goes seven for seven. For Caleb Griffin to bounce back and hit some big field goals today was, was significant. Well, don't forget the first touchdown. It wasn't him on PAT. It was Penton. Mm-hmm. So, and then he missed it, and I don't know if that was like, Go back out there. And Caleb, so he hit the 52-yarder, and Bielma called a timeout. We should say, thanks to our friend Trevor Valise for pointing this out because we didn't see it, the clock was at one. I mean, that's a, that's a penalty if not. turned out it ultimately was a penalty one way or the other. But he said, you know, just hitting that, like, got my – like, that's the longest field goal I've ever hit. Like, it didn't count, but that's just how I knew. He said, I walked to the sideline and said, hey, I'm back. And, and Caleb was really up front and really honest, and he said, I waited four years for this. And then I get hurt, and he's like, I – you just don't know. I mean, it's, you're trying to win a Big Ten West, man. You can't – Penton was seven for seven. You can't just give a job back to somebody because you feel for the kid. And to his credit, he stayed with it and earned it and stayed there. But, man, just try to put yourself in those shoes where you think, well, shoot. <laughs> you know, that's it. And he, he really stepped up some big field goals down the stretch. And I thought Brett Bielma trusted him. Yeah. I, I thought Brett Bielma really didn't hesitate with him, put him out there for the 52. I, I thought that was also important. Uh, a couple more guys. We mentioned Isaiah Williams. Really a difference maker early on. The fumble, I think,
think his knee just hit the ball. Like, um, he's just got to get upfield there. Uh, I thought Casey Washington had a couple big catches. Uh, he's, his hands are the best on the team. So he's a great third, fourth down target because you know he's probably going to catch the ball, even when you throw it behind him. Like, DeVito threw it behind him today in case he watched and made that play and the tight ends got involved three catches today for the tight ends when he combined tip ryman and luke ford and ford should have had the touchdown but ryman had the penalty uh but those guys combined for what 54 receiving yards their last two games or last three games the tight ends had two catches uh for 28 yards so so shout out to those guys um let's go big picture here though joey again seven and one four and one atop the big 10 west standings and today you basically knocked out another team uh, of the Big Ten West, because you not only have a two-game lead on Nebraska, and neither of us think Nebraska is going to be in contention, but they would have if, if they would have won today. You dominate them. You have a two-game lead over them plus a tiebreaker. You have a two-game lead over Wisconsin plus a tiebreaker. You have a two-game lead over Iowa plus a tiebreaker. A uh, two-game lead over Minnesota plus a tiebreaker. So that's a three-game lead over all those teams. And this team is – Illinois is not – they're going to win a couple more games, Right. Like, they're not going to lose four straight to where another team is going to get involved here. So it is now a two-team race in the Big Ten West. You have a game lead over Purdue. you got Michigan State next week. And if you win the next two games, you wrap up the Big Ten West with two games remaining and you go 9-1 and to Michigan. We can get ahead of ourselves. I know Illinois can't. The staff has done such a good job, Joey, of week to week to week. But this is a really freaking good football team. Like, they are great defensively. They continue to prove that week in and week out. They are efficient offensively. Some things to clean up. They're, they take care of the ball, though. They are, like Since the Indiana-Virginia games, they are taking care of the ball extremely well. They're controlling the clock 39 minutes today. They're playing like a Wisconsin team. They're playing like a Bielema, Crist, Wisconsin team of the Big Ten championships, Big Ten West Division titles. That's how they're playing consistently week in and week out. And that's going to get you probably to a Big Ten title game. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm sitting here looking at our Twitter's. Both of our Twitter, my Twitter's pulled up, and, and Alex Palczewski, uh, it's a long-winded way, I'll circle back. You know, the picture of him, 60 stars most in Big Ten history. They can wrap up the West on senior day against Purdue. Like, they don't want to look ahead of it. We can. That's a story, dude. Yeah. That is a story, and that's November 12th is that game. Illinois can win the West by November 12th. All that's standing in the way is, I don't know what Michigan State is doing right now, Michigan State and Purdue. Michigan State's under 500. Purdue, great passing attack. Just like Nebraska, you should win the trenches in that game. And if they can do this to Trey Palmer, what could they do to Charlie Jones, right? Like, I think it's going to be a competitive game. I think Aiden O'Connell, as long as he stays healthy, um, is probably better than Casey Thompson. But you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a game you should be favored at home. And Illinois has been the better all-around team so far. Yeah, that's, I don't think there's, there's one game. Still to this point, we talked about this in Madison, one game I think they're not going to be favored, and that's at Michigan. Of course, it's the top four team in the country. That's, that's something. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. That's, Jeremy, this, it's, we were talking about this on the way. Here's a basketball exhibition yesterday. And two, people are, two people are here. Not we are. Who cares? <laughs> but two people are in, in Lincoln for a game, and it's almost November 1st. Like, maybe you're tired of hearing this. This has not been the case. Like, this is wild to watch. And, and to your point earlier, these guys, and we've said it, dude, they are all in on what Brett Bielma says. And he has got them locked into to this day-by-day deal. And they're not blinking, man. But like, maybe, maybe behind the scenes they're talking more. They're, they're never going to come out and tell us everything, right? But it's not showing up on the field. Like, that's the biggest point. Yeah, if you want to put, send some questions in, we'll get to your questions, get to some of your responses. We love getting back to those, interacting with you guys. With another Illinois victory, six straight wins for this team. And now this is the best start for this program since 2001, when Illinois went 10-1 and, uh, and, and obviously won the Big Ten Championship. The last time they won the Big Ten Championship as a program uh, and, and went on to the Sugar Bowl. It's the first winning regular season. They clinched that tonight. First winning regular season since 2007. And if they win next week or if they get one more Big Ten win, which they will because Northwestern stinks, um, that will be their first Big Ten winning season since 2007. And now is the time to talk about this, and I'll write about this tonight. Josh Whitman should probably get the contract ready. Brett, you got some leverage. Brett's going to use it. His agent should use it. Ryan Walter should use it. 
Illinois needs to extend this guy. Uh, before he gets to the offseason, he's not going to leave here this offseason no matter what, but, like, take care of it, get that locked in, extend him, give him the raise, and why not get Walters done <laughs> before he – like, if he wants to interview for Colorado, he can go ahead and do that. Lock in Walters. You can sell that on the recruiting trail. Get the staff – and as Whitman told me earlier this month at Big Ten Media Days, he wants to keep this band together. Now might be a good time to do that because this is this is an amazing coaching job. To do what they're doing, they're 10-3 and three in their last 13 games. 10-3 and three in their last 13 – that Illinois football is doing Wisconsin and Iowa things. And this is one of the most impressive coaching jobs in the country. Illinois is starting to become one of the better national stories in the country. And Brett Bielma, if the season ended today, would be Big Ten Coach of the Year, unquestioned. I agree, and, and Ryan Walters would be in a legitimate race for the Royals Award. Yeah, I, I think Brett Bielema is easy, right? Like, get that signed up. I, I don't know what it's going to take financially. It's a, a lot, and it should. It should, because the, the value back is, is a lot. Well, because you're going to sell. You might sell out Michigan State, and you're going to you're going to have a huge attendance boost next year. Like the season tickets. Like if, if Illinois continues to do this, wins ten plus games, which we expect at this point. Like that's crazy. Um, but they they should, like. This, it'll pay for itself, right? And plus the Big Ten money. I can't spend everything, but, like, he's worth it. He's worth it. He's proven he's worth it. And it's, it's really two years of proving it, right? Like, the last 13 games of what this team is doing is no fluke. It's consistent. It's consistent, and it's stuff that is sustainable, Joey. It's like running the football, efficient passing offense, great defense. That's, that's how great programs do it year after year. It is. You try to, if you're Illinois, you try to keep the guy who's orchestrating that great defense around as long as you can. And and I would say, yeah, and, and encourage him to interview. Go be a head coach somewhere, man. Like, that, if you can do that, it's great for you. But this, it is about that time, Jeremy. And you know what? Maybe it has been, but now it's just kind of so much in your face. That's like, I don't know how you could probably at this point think otherwise maybe the mel tucker contract scared people away no, you, you don't need to do, do 10 years no. you, don't, you don't need to do 10 years just give him a couple more years and boost that salary up from was it four or five to probably hefty seven or eight after the season probably <laughs> about that and it, it really is a hell of a coaching job and, and turnaround and like we, we talk you know you said like there's some frustration in the first quarter okay like that wouldn't have been frustration I mean, it would have been a different yeah. way, right? Like, it's just in two years, not even two full seasons, Brett has kind of kicked that floor up more and more. And, and obviously, this schedule came out this week, and we look at that and like, all right. Compete. Yeah, they can compete to get uh, top the West again next year. That's right. And, and Brett Bielema, he's always, you know, staff changes are going to happen over time. But Brett Bielema's got a pretty deep phone book, yeah. man. And he's got people who – he's got good sells to potential assistants like this. There's just those pieces, those markers where you can see, to your point earlier about defense run, like, you can see where you would sustain. The, like there are sustainable elements that are core elements in this program, and that's what you would say, yeah, give him the money. Bring him, don't let him get anywhere. And, and you and I don't think he's going to at all. I mean, this guy's a chance to be Brett Bielema's you know, yeah. flagship deal here. Turn this freaking program around, and that's what you're going to be remembered for. There's no, no narrative out of Madison, no narrative out of Fayetteville. This is just – yeah. This is a really – I mean, this is – can write Brett Bielema. This would be the top of his coaching list. Right. Whenever I go on a radio show elsewhere, people ask me, whether it's Nebraska, whether it was uh, Minnesota a couple weeks ago, they, they ask me, can Illinois keep him? And I get it from the outside, right? Even like Lawrence Holmes at the score asked me the same thing. Like, can you keep this guy now? And I get it because the perception is Illinois is Indiana. Unless, you're Tom, unless it's Tom Allen, everyone goes to Indiana as a step-up job. Um, and, you know, maybe Ron Zook thought of it that way. Some other coaches thought of it that way. But I don't think Bielma sees it at that because of his AD. Because his AD is fully invested. He's already shown how much money he's going to pour into the facility. He's shown how much money he can pour into Ryan Walters this past offseason. The staff has paid extremely well. I think Whitman's going to continue to do that. And that's why the extension, I think, is going to happen sooner or later. Uh, and the raise is going to happen sooner or later. But I think – People think he's going to take that leap, but he's already done that. He did that at Arkansas because he didn't want to be seen as the guy that was riding Barry Alvarez's coattails. He wanted to blaze his own trail. wanted more money for his assistance in the SEC. I think he knows the grass isn't always greener, and why couldn't he do it at Illinois? If you can do it at Wisconsin, you can do it at Kansas State, you can do it at Iowa, 
You can do it at Illinois. This is sustainable. Like it's a good pro. Like it's a good place. Uh, it's great recruiting base. And when you have an AD that supports you, and you're in the Big Ten, and you're playing the programs you are, like it is sustainable to do what you're doing. If you go somewhere else, yeah, you can get paid more money and be in the hot seat potentially in two or three years. Like at Illinois, they're going to make him a statue if he continues to do this stuff. Like they're going to have Brett Bielema away. I, I think it's just a natural fit. And as, as long as Whitman continues to do what he's already done with Brett, uh, I, th I think there's going to be a, a really good marriage. Um, not that they'll win 10 games every year, win a Big Ten West, or compete for the college football playoff every year, but I think it's, I think it's possible. And that's amazing that we're saying that about Brett Bielema in year two. It is, and also we have to acknowledge Josh is going to pour this at what he can because, one, he cares. Two, he needs it to work, too. I mean, that, that's kind of the – the underlying thing is not a lot of ADs get three football coaches, right? So that's he, – he needs this, and, and he found a guy it looks like that's got the recipe to help him in his own quest to turn this and build this thing and, and just kind of be the architect of, of fixing this program. Yeah, uh, just a, a fantastic job by these coaches uh, and this coaching staff. And we're seeing it both places. Like, Illinois, where do you think we're going to be – they're going to be ranked? Um, I know Wake Forest lost, who was tied for number 10. Syracuse lost. I mean, they have a chance. I mean, they'll be in the college football playoff rankings <laughs> next week, right? Like, this is the first college football playoff rankings. Illinois will probably be in the top 15, and they have a path to get to the top five of the college football playoff. Like, is it going to happen? I have no idea. But you have a path to do that. <laughs> like, is, is it going to happen? I would bet against it, but – it's there. It's pretty amazing uh, what, what's happening. This feels weird to hear. It does. Like, there is a path. I would argue, like, that is Michigan. You got to go through Michigan and Ohio State, and that's yeah, that, probably that's unlikely. Pretty unpaved road. Like, I don't know that I would. Why not? I don't know that I would personally, for my safety, walk down that path. I think it's really rocky and hilly and steep and all of that. But can you imagine going 9 and 1, wrapping up the West in your final game at home this year against Purdue, right? Because uh, you go to Northwestern this year, correct? That's right, yeah. So um, you do that, and then you go to Michigan, ranked in the top 12 or top 10, with nothing to lose Michigan and everything close. to gain. If you win these next two, Michigan State's up 7-3 to three on Michigan right now. Yeah. If you win these next two, that is like the most free money of all house money <laughs> games of all time. Like, you've won the West. You have a chance. It doesn't hurt if you lose. Like, you don't want to lose. No one's going to say, how the hell with it, go in there and do whatever. But you, it's just going in there and like, that is Brett Bielema, Elmo Fire, agent of chaos to the Big Ten of college football to go in there and yeah. try to leave. Like, could again, you, could, I don't think it's going to happen, but if you do the business the next two, everything is just kind of free until Indianapolis, right? And you get Northwestern, that is just remarkably bad. Yeah, and that'd be a 10-win season no matter what because you're not losing to, to Northwestern. All right, we'll get to some of your comments. You can uh, type them in the chat here. Appreciate all you guys coming on with us. We really enjoy doing this, uh, the live post games with you guys and interacting a little bit before we get to writing. Uh, Court said, really encouraged today. We didn't play anywhere near our best game, yet we got a Big Ten win on the road. Those used to be exceptional for the Illini. Today felt very pedestrian. Awesome feeling. You said that as well as anybody, Court. Like, Can you the, write Jeremy's <laughs> column for him? At the end of the game, like, it just felt like, yeah, it was fine. It was, I, I don't think anybody was like, oh, that was the greatest game. Like, Illinois did not play well in the first quarter. They're down 9-6. They never flinched, and I never felt like they were in real trouble. I just thought, yeah, they didn't play well. They got to clean some things up. And you just have confidence that the staff will, will correct those things plus – it's a very veteran team and a very steady team, whether it's Sid Brown as the leader of the defense or, or Tommy DeVito as the leader of the quarterback. So, so well said, Court. Yeah, I, I nailed it. The touchdown, I will say, the, the broken touchdown, it did feel a little fluky because it's not a lot of broken – I mean, broken more broken tackles than we've seen against this Illinois defense. But at that point, like, oh, shoot, like, Nebraska. But even at that, it wasn't – that used to be – the start, like, that was the first push of the snowball down a hill. That used to be that's what it was, no longer. Uh, Taylor, get right to it. Bielma said something interesting in his postgame press conference. He was talking about the JUCO offensive linemen, uh, and they said, I, I think we might get another commit on board in the next 24 hours, basically. Um, yeah, and I asked somebody who deals with recruiting in there, like, what, what should we be ready for? And uh, they had no idea. So either whether they were playing coy or not, um, I mean, we're just talking about Juke offensive line. The first guy I think of is Keyshawn Blackstock, who was here for an official visit. He would be a huge addition. He is a great, great prospect. 6'5", 315, took an official visit to Illinois already. Really enjoyed it. Illinois set a high bar for them. Um, 
they're thinking he's going to take more official visits, but uh, we'll see. He, he would be my guess. I mean, obviously Malik Elsey uh, just decommitted, so he'd be a big one as well. But the context of what BMO was talking about with Juco offensive linemen made me think him. Obviously, Isaiah Miller, the old Miss commit, recently took an official visit. He took an official visit to Ole Miss as well uh, right after that. So that's where my mind would go. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to – I hate to sit here and speculate. Those are the names. I don't know if there's anyone else. It's freaking Bielema <laughs> dropping – Bielema's really good at, th- at throwing these nuggets out there. All right. Um, Austin asked – he said Quan made himself a lot of money today. Uh, agreed. Brady, Devin Witherspoon, best corner since Vontae Davis? Yes, and there's proof of that. You looked it up. Vontae was the last Jim Thorpe Award semifinalist. Devin got that as well. So Devin is is putting himself into elite company. Who are the others? Henry Jones and Eugene Wilson. Bob Austin. We got to give Bob Austin some of the News Gazette credit for for digging that up. But yeah, it's there's not a long list of them. And Devin, dude, Devin Witherspoon is really really good. And it's hard because a lot of times you look at defensive backs and their metric is picks. Mm-hmm. Right, and like Devin Witherspoon has he one pick, I think, one interception, if I'm not mistaken. So like, he, it's not like he's not effective, but dude, it's just a shutdown. This and the crazy thing, and I wrote about it this week. They're still targeting him. Yeah, people. I, I mean, that's which I guess. I mean, I'm not saying don't ever throw it at the guy, but like, man, they're still targeting him. He's still delivering. I'll look it up, Jeremy. I got it. No, I'm looking up. I'm looking up Devin or Darrell Revis's stats because that's his guy. Right, like he loves Darrell yeah, Revis. Revis Island. Revis Island, you know, Spoon Island, whatever you want to say. Revis had a bunch of picks early in his career, and then people figured out we can't throw at him. Um, so he didn't have a ton of picks towards the end of his career. Outside of one season, um, over his last like seven or eight seasons, he only had like two seasons of two-plus picks. But he was still like a pro, an all-pro cornerback every year because people didn't throw at him or they couldn't complete a ball because his coverage was so good. That's what Spoon's like, man. Yeah, so his stats aren't going to be ridiculous at the end of the day, at least the interceptions, but you can see it on the field. I mean, Trey Palmer, one catch for one yard, uh, and, and the PFF stats of the NFL rating against him is like 40 this year. It's it's ridiculous of, of uh, what he's been able to do, and to have that is what allows – Ryan Walters to be so aggressive with his blitz package, which I don't think he was as aggressive today until the end of the game. But, um, you know, again, they work hand-in-hand. Hand, and to have that kind of shutdown corner along with Quan Martin, who can play all over the field, and, and Sidney Brown, who does what he does. Illinois has 15 interceptions this season. This is the eighth game. That is an astronomically high number. And they do it in man coverage, which is hard. Right in zone, you can sit like Iowa run zone. They get a lot of picks because your eyes are on the quarterback. And man to man, your your head is not turned to the quarterback. Like you're on your man. So to be able to do that is is really impressive. So the top four in interceptions, Keith Randolph standing strong at number five. The top four: Kendall Smith four, Quan Martin three, Sidney Brown three, Matthew Bailey two. If Ryan Walter, I've said this. <laughs> Sign guy meme outside of Kankakee with those numbers. That is 12 interceptions from the safety spot. Yeah. 12. Now, Quan, I know he's a nickel, but he's with the safeties. That's his room. Goodness gracious. Uh, F- uh, Fetty uh, asked, any reason why we barely attempted to pass downfield to Hightower Bryant? I didn't ask. I should have asked about Pat Bryant. I didn't see him playing a lot late, so I wonder if he got nicked up. We'll ask Monday and follow that up. Brian Hightower had one first down catch uh, on a, a third and three, I believe it was. They didn't have to. Uh, and, and what's one thing this Illinois def- wide receiver group struggles with? It's, it's getting separation. It's not the fastest group. It's not, they need to upgrade talent in this group, and that's why they're bringing in Ian Pugh and Ashton Hollins for longer, faster guys. And that's why a guy like Malik Elzey would, would be so important uh, to continue to upgrade that. Sean Miller, I don't want to miss him. But, yeah, th- those guys, they didn't have to. Like Isaiah Williams was really good today. The tight ends got involved. And Chase Brown did his thing. Like Tommy DeVito didn't have to throw the ball down the field in this game, especially when you get up 29 like he did 23-9. It was all about ball control at that point. Yeah, I mean, and I get it. We, we've seen a little bit of that pass down field more recently. But Chase Brown, 4.7 yards a carry. Tommy DeVito, he had six carries for 30 – or I'm sorry, seven for 37, 6.2. I mean, Reggie Love, the team was 3.9, and that's because Isaiah Williams lost 12 on, on that one backwards pass that he ended up just running out of bounds backwards, but you didn't really have to. I think that's probably a credit to Barry, man. Like, see what they're giving you. We knew Nebraska can't stop the run. Yep. And just keep hammering there. And we, we thought that was going to be the case coming in. Like, just give them the ball and 
and see what happens. Yeah, uh, Josh McCray, some people asked like what happened with him. Brett, Brett didn't seem to have confidence that he was fully healthy or fully mentally ready. I think that's what it was. Yeah, like, like he didn't like, have full confidence in himself. You right? can't have a guy out there not believe. I mean, yeah. and, and a lot of it is, one, it doesn't help you as a football team. And two, when Brett said, like, this is a long-term play for, for Josh McCray. And you have a Heisman candidate, right? Yeah. So, like, I don't think like that's a – you don't have to put your accelerator on that until you feel that he's all the way there and then go from there. Um, Wu said, good to see the team overcome some adversity today. It won't be the last time. You're on the road, man. Road wins are really hard. Uh, we saw that in Indiana. Uh, but to do what they did against Wisconsin and then to do what they did today against Nebraska, I know those teams aren't great this year, but they're competitive West teams that if you don't respond well – these crowds can bury you. They're right on top of you. This is like one of the best stadiums to come to. This and Kinnick are two of my favorite in the Big Ten, along with Minnesota, sneaky. They're not great, not great crowds there, but I just love the stadium. Um, this could this could got bad, and they, they just responded, man. Uh, and they talked a little smack. They're a confident bunch right now. They are. They should be, right? And I think the coaching staff has, a, has done a good job of instilling that, but not, I guess, being too much in that. It, it's an interesting balance. Uh, let's see, uh, Chase Brown, number five all-time in rushing, uh, passing Rocky Harvey. Doak Walker, I, I, I don't know what Blake Coram's going to do tonight, but I think Chase Brown should be the favorite for that award right now. Coram's having a fantastic year. It's going to be between those two. And that's going to be a lot of fun in Michigan, in Ann Arbor on November 19th. Those guys probably going head-to-head for it. Yeah, that's – man, I remember – when Chase Brown got here, you saw watch the film. I thought, yeah, this guy's going to be a Big Ten starter. I didn't think he'd be. It's really <laughs> remarkable what he's been able to do. Uh, people need to wake up, Wu said. This is what Illinois should have been the last 30 years. More talent in Illinois than any other state in the conference right in Ohio. Keep it home and dominate people. That's why people have called it a sleeping giant. You need the right coach. You got the right coach right now. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And it, they should have been this. They weren't. Like I think that's why people are still kind of slow to come onto this. Uh, you can't stop us. The Cornhuskers look lost. Their quarterback got crushed. Uh, I'll, g- I'll give them this. The Nebraska staff, I thought, had these guys ready to play early. I thought the first quarter, Nebraska came out really, really well, both sides of the ball. But Illinois is just a better team. And, and somebody said Illinois is by far the best team in the West. They certainly have looked like it. They are the best all-around team in the West. I think the second-best all-around team in the West is probably Wisconsin, and Illinois beat them 34-10. Purdue is just so dangerous with their passing attack. That's going to be a fun matchup. It is, and I think, and we've talked about this before. I think the stats would bear that out even more if not for some of those red zone issues. I mean, there's been a few games where this could have been run up and really really been a huge margin of victory in a lot of these games. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really disagree. Best quarterback in the West for, for Tommy DeVito. Uh, Jay Lehman said that a couple weeks ago. I said, oh, over Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell's good in his scheme. Tommy DeVito's really good in his scheme. I, I just – Barry Loney, I know people have issues with play calling. I had some issues with the screen pass to Hank Beatty. Didn't love it. Didn't love the getting cute with that pass. Of course, it's easy to say that in hindsight when it doesn't work. Um, but he's still really good. I, I, he's been such an improvement. I thought the rest of the game was really good. Defense certainly helps him, but I still think, like, Barry figures it out as the game goes along. His defense gives him that ability, but they play great complimentary football. Illinois had the ball for 39 minutes today. The offense coordinator has to do something right for you to hold the ball for 39 minutes, and the defense only has to be on the field for 21. Yeah, and it, it seems like once a game, too, they have those. And I know uh, Scott Ritchie asked on Monday Barry Lunny about this. They have those 10, 12, 13, 14. Those are not easy to have. Like, th- those are really long drives. I think that's just good play calling, good execution. And Barry said it 100 times. Like, there's 60 game. I don't know what the snaps were today, but there's a lot of snaps in the game. Yeah. You're going to have plays, play calls. You know, like, I'm with you. I thought those two. Outside of those two, though, I don't – I can't think of one where I'm like, what are you doing here? It's two. That's two, and you won by 14 on the road. Uh, there's people arguing over how good Illinois is because they're playing Big Ten West teams. Listen, they'll have the chance to show what they can, they're made of nationally against Michigan and nationally against either Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game if they get there, right? But for Illinois to be 7-1, and one, like this is all relative, right? Like this is, this is what Wisconsin does every year. It's what Iowa does every year. And even if that doesn't mean, make Illinois a top-five team in the country, this is stuff this program hasn't done in so long. Like – this team right now is probably playing – they didn't beat 
a ranked Penn State team or a ranked Wisconsin team like the 07 team, but those two teams going up against each other would be a heck of a game. This team going up against 2001 would be a heck of a game. Like Brett Bielma said today, this team does a lot of the similar things that my title teams did at, at Wisconsin. I thought that was a great compliment, and I don't disagree with him, Joey. Like, I, I don't think they're that far off. No, again, there's a lot of those elements that are they really, they're, good, they're really good at what they're good at, if that makes sense. Uh, also, now, do they have the athletes at, like, wide receiver to do it? I, I mean, to keep up with Ohio State, probably not. Michigan, I think they can give them a game. But Michigan's got more talent, more depth. That's what they got to match up against, but they're going to have the opportunity to show that. Yeah, also, who cares who they're beating? They're 7-1, right? I, it's, still, I mean, it's still Big Ten teams and still teams that are going to end up in bowl games. Yeah, and let's be honest, like – Illinois is not going to be in the top ten of the college football playoff discussion on Tuesday. You know, it's, the quality of wins don't really matter when you're kind of in that next tier, those next two tiers, right? It's just that you win. You're winning seven games. You now are going on the recruiting trail with seven wins in eight games like that. At this point where Illinois is, it doesn't matter what the quality is. Just you're winning a lot of football games. I, I think that's really what it comes down to. Uh, question for both of you. I see a potential scenario where the Illinois can go to a Rose Bowl to you. Whenever people ask me which bowl game are you, are you hoping Illinois goes to, I go, Pasadena. Um, if Michigan and Ohio State both make the college football playoff, Illinois, if they win the West and, you know, finishes, I guess, above Penn State, uh, would probably go, right, to the Rose Bowl. If they beat Michigan and, say, they lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game, they'd probably go to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's uh, they're not going to be the first – three or four picks, right? It's just the way it goes. You're going to have Ohio State, Michigan. Michigan. And then we'll see where Penn State yeah. falls into that mix. Yeah, there's a scenario for it. I think the more likely is Florida, somewhere in Florida, one of the bowls down there. But it's not Detroit the day after Christmas. Yes. Yeah. Did today's win officially, like, it doesn't matter what happens from here on. It's not Detroit. Yeah, I think we can cross Detroit off. Unless they lose out, I would cross the pinstripe off, right, which they aren't going to lose out. Um and I think soon we can cross Nashville off. Oh. <laughs> like, that's, that was when the one we were shooting for uh, when they started winning some of these games. And now I think you know Nashville is the absolute floor probably because they're not going to lose to Northwestern. And then you know Florida's most likely. Citrus Bowl, um, ReliaQuest Bowl, and then Rose Bowl. I mean, and if you want a college football playoff, <laughs> throw that in there. I mean, we have to. We can't. We can't count it out yet, right? Until they lose the second game. Oh, uh, yeah. What? Well, you're gonna have to explain to your family where you're gonna be on New Year's Eve. I don't know that it's gonna be with them, man. That's. It's a new. It feels like a New Year's Six Bowl team. Uh, Chase Brown for Heisman. Is he gonna move up a spot after this game? I don't know. It's uh, touchdowns. To me, it's touchdowns at this right? point. You, you got to get him some more of those. Uh, the eye test certainly passes. I know that might not be a popular thing to hear. It's touchdown, but. If you live in Oregon and you're voting for the Heisman and you see that, like you, and it's Illinois, right? Like it, I just think there's a lot working against it. But also just get him there. If you can get him there or have this conversation, that's huge for this program. Nate asked, do you think Devin has cemented himself as a potential first-round pick? Listen, CBS Sports is ridiculously high on him. Um, they had him as like a top you know, first-round pick for a long time here. I think he's got that potential – uh, he's going to have to test really well, all that. Like Joey Porter's a fantastic prospect at Penn State. And Devin Witherspoon's playing as well as him. Joey Porter's a little longer, a little bigger. Um, so those things certainly come into play. But I think he's, I think he's a day-two pick at worst. I, I think he's playing at that level. Yeah, I cannot see him pass day-two. Like, that just doesn't compute to me. Uh, Blackstock needs to come to the line. Uh, yeah, he would be a huge addition. Like Malik Elsie and Jair Hill, understandably, are huge – targets for next year no one would be more important for this team than than Keyshawn Blackstock uh, defensive line transfer of course but like of the, of the guys like on the target list now like their top targets Blackstock would be a huge addition yeah in, in a couple ways right because I think it gives you insurance if one or both of Isaiah Adams and Julian Pearl their Julian Pearl make that leap it gives you depth if neither do yeah. right and I, I just think there's a kind of a domino effect there uh I, I'm not going to say the rest of the name, terrified of playing Michigan, just want our boys to show up and play competitive. That's in a couple weeks. You take care of that in the next couple of days. Was that your gift reaction right there? I just don't know why we can't say poo-poo. <laughs> I poo-poo. Come on. Um, everyone talking about Chase Brown. Yeah, he's fun, man. Yeah, really it's good. one of the best seasons we've ever seen. Um, 
All right, I think that'll that'll wrap it up for today, unless you see anything else. Any final thoughts here uh, from Nebraska, Joey? Again, I just think a really impressive, yet again, overall team victory that's just kind of ho-hum at this point. But you can't take it for granted because this is not they're, – they're making something look easy that it looked so hard for Illinois football for 15 years for the most part. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, we're going to leave here. We're going to drive a little bit of the way home. And it's kind of what we expected. We expected Illinois to go to Lincoln and beat Nebraska. And, again, I don't want to make it sound like I'm trying to portray Nebraska as this world-beater team. That's not the case. But this was not really – you weren't nervous in the fourth quarter. If you're Illinois, if you're an Illinois fan, you just – it's just kind of what it was. And I I just – that's such a – I don't know why it's resonating. I guess I need to ask myself, why is that resonating more after this game than than other games they've done similar? But that's what they're doing. It's just kind of this is what it is and – here you go. And I, I think that it it usually takes longer, right? Yes. It, it usually takes longer for that. You probably need more of your guy. Like it's just – it happened very quickly. Yep. And you saw a little bit of the footprints of it a year ago, and now it's now it's here, and it's, it's really an impressive turnaround. I, I wanted to mention this stat. Uh, Illinois outscored opponents, by the way, 208 to 71 this year. In the second half, Illinois outscored opponents 83 to 17. They've allowed 10 points. In the third quarter through eight games, they've allowed seven points in the fourth quarter through eight games. Of course, those are seven very important points in Indiana. That is ridiculous. Just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that reminds me of a point you and I talked about during the game where, and Ryan Walters, if you listen to his pressers, if you read what he says, he always talks about like the designers of the week, and that's the script, right? It's the first 10, 15, 20 plays, whatever the case may be. Other teams have had... Some success. I wouldn't say huge amounts of success, but some success on those. But the plan to know just who a team is, like that's those next 30 plays, 40 plays, whatever, you know, whatever the number of plays is. And that's where you just see this defense and its entirety, player staff, really clamp down on understanding who the heck. It's almost like, okay, go go get a couple of the pop ones, but we know who you are and we'll be here when you get back type deal. And I think that's really impressive. All right, thank you guys for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast, especially all you guys live on the YouTube page. Give us a like if you can uh, while you're on there, if you're listening to this uh, you know, on playback. Really appreciate you guys. We're going to do this throughout the season, of course, and it's been a fun first year to actually do these uh, post-game podcasts. We'll do these for basketball as well. Uh, Derek was solo, so we didn't have it for the uh, exhibition game, but we'll start that up uh, as the regular season starts up a week from Monday against Eastern Illinois. Uh, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us, rate us, and review us. Uh, check us out. We've got plenty we'll have uh, on the way. We're going to make it to Iowa tonight uh, and then find our way back home to Illinois uh, tomorrow. So appreciate you guys. We've got plenty of content coming at IlliniInquire.com. Joey's going to write about Sidney Brown, uh, Devin Witherspoon in a big day, I guess the DBs in a big day, Caleb Griffin caught up with him. I got something on Tommy DeVito percolating and uh, kind of the thoughts we were talking about with Brett Bielma in, in the long term of this program and, and Joshua and getting that locked in because I, I think it's just been an amazing job uh, of what he's done the last two years. So everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Atlanta Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.